You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, Penny Tannerhoff in the driving seat and assisting in kind of a 75%er, maybe 60%er kind of way is Pete Skeeler. Morning, Pete. Morning, Penn. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. We're both not feeling 100% this morning, but we reckon that both of us will make it 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Two Hours of Football. If you missed the show any time, you can go to the podcast set up very nicely by Nick Templeman on our website, theworldfootballprogram.com.au. Just go to the podcast page. You can also listen live there or on the Radio Fremantle website itself. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thanks very much to our partners and members, futsalwa.org.au. They're coming towards the end of their season. In fact, they have completed their season now and it's finals time, has been finals time. You can catch everything on their website for the Superliga and other competitions. They video everything. We often chat to Greg Farrell about what's happening. It's been an awesome season for them, a big season, growing and growing, good work. Also, Oswest Fencing and Rod Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA if you need gates and fences built or automation for your gates. Thank you to everybody who comments on our Facebook page too. We really do appreciate that. And we'll be monitoring it during the day. <laughs> yep, absolutely we will. And uh, appreciate all the, the posts that you put up and share. It's good stuff. Thank you. We've got a full lineup today, of course, as usual. We've got uh, Sheriff Andrews, the Chair of Football West, reviewing what's happening at the State Football Centre over the coming weeks and over summer with Football West. We'll have a chat to Tia Stonehill from Balcata Etna. And also now Perth Glory signed up during the week for a season with the Perth Glory women's team. Don Sutherland, yes, you might recognise that name, I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. 
have a little bit of banter about that. Sutherland family is quite a famous one worldwide. Got a park named after him in the southern suburbs, I believe. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there is. The football park. Sutherland's Park. Nice. We'll have a chat about the Football Supporters Association of Australia, FSAA, I think is the abbreviated um, term there. And we'll have a chat to Robbie Thompson from Network 10 and Paramount about A-League. And I'm sure we'll have a talk about Socceroos as well, maybe a bit of... Ollie Roos playing in a tournament right now. Yep, yep. and uh, Featuring our very own Cameron Cook in goals, I believe. Nice. So, unfortunately, yep. he conceded a goal. Fortunately, we still won 7-1. And fortunately, the goal he conceded was an absolute banger. You can, It's one of those ones you can't be angry at him for. Have you been watching it on some kind of streaming? Uh, I saw a highlight of the one goal we conceded because um, it was highlight-worthy. Nice. Yeah, there's a, a bit happening in the younger Socceroos and younger Matildas space at the moment yep. with squads being selected for uh, friendlies and uh, tournaments and lead-ins to World Cups and all this kind of thing. So uh, it's international... Friendly weekend free of fixes or something. Is it this weekend, this That's week? That's right, because I believe even the Socceroos are playing Mexico tomorrow morning they at are. our time. Yeah. What time exactly is that? Do you know? I'm sure Robbie will tell us because it's going to be on It'll be, it, it is broadcast on 10, and I think it's something quite, quite good for us, like a 9.30 a.m. In the morning, yeah. That's that's when the a.m., yeah? Yeah, it is. When we're all out playing football, yeah. Well, uh, isn't, uh, isn't the season over now? For some... It started finishing, I think, last week yeah. for some of the junior leagues. Then sure. there's finals time for the next ah, two see, weeks. Ah, see, when I coached juniors, finals was never an issue, so. <laughs> well, yes. My daughter's in the studio giving me the eyebrow look. We were late. Yeah. Yeah, one day, one day. Yeah. So senior football is still continuing another couple of weeks. And I'm sure there's lots of midweek fixes as catch-ups. And I don't know how that fits in when you're not in the finals. Does that mean that there's a like end date or you just postpone or forfeit the fixture if it's after the last fixture because of finals time? I, I don't know how that works. There's just I know there's been a lot of refixturing and postponing and things through I don't know, COVID illness, related illness, uh, people away with World Cup. Yeah, true. All those kind Some of things. Some people went over happening. to Brisbane for it. Yeah. Yeah. Funny that it's a lot happening in this. Football Some people season. went to Sydney for the semi-finals. I know how exciting was that. Thanks, <laughs> Selena Holtz. Yes, very exciting. And we've got the Matildas coming up here in like a month or so. There, there had been rumours about the um, the matches getting moved to yeah HBA, uh, Sorry, to um, Optus. Optus, yeah. Just um, rumours. It was route. Yeah, I sort of thought it's not they really found any any roots with that. Rumour at all? No, I know, which is a pity because I didn't get any tickets. I wanted to get tickets and they were all gone by the really? time I checked, yeah. Um, Even single? Single ones? Oh, I only checked for the three-game passes. Well, maybe I should look for the singles, but... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. there was no three-game passes when yeah. I lobbed in, but uh, I was just happy to visit some of the games. Like the Iran-Australia <laughs> game um, interested me. Yep. And it's back-to-back with something else. There was like... Um, it was a two-match two well, pass? Yeah, Perth's hosting the whole tournament. Yeah. So even the games not featuring Australia are, are played here at, at HBA a- Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I think um, our match pass was, I can't remember the other game, it's Australian Iran and there's another game 
like the like double headers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it'd it's be, a big block yeah. of, of time. To... So it'd be like four hours of football you'd have to sit there and watch. Oh, darn. Yeah, no, I hope the coffee's good yeah. at the ground. Yeah. Yeah, it was good during the World Cup. So I'm going to just assume that whoever's doing the catering this time has got to keep up the same kind of standard of you know, pies and chips and coffee and tea. Well, maybe, yeah, certainly, obviously we have different priorities there, but I can certainly <laughs> give a pass on the Great Northern, my God. I'm sure you'll be in a different part of the All these delicious beers me. in the world yeah. and they give us the just... Ugh. Let's talk about football for the week. Um, we've bantered a few things like the, the Socceroos are playing on Sunday. Yep. Um, Asian Cup's coming up in January, I think, for the men. So there's um, you know a little bit of squad uh, rotation now to figure out who's going to be playing in that. Yep. Um, uh, one of the things I found interesting, or I, I thought was interesting, it hasn't got a lot of hype over here, maybe because obviously Perth's not involved. But um, so with the growth of women's football, uh, the AFC Women's Club Championship is kicking off um, in November. So it has been run previously. It's currently it's still just in an invitational format. So AFC turn around and say, hey. You guys, you know, a handful of teams from different countries go off and play a tournament. And it's Sydney this time, isn't Sydney, it? Sydney, as the as the A League Women's Champions, um, will be going. But it looks a little bit better this year. And then as of next year, it becomes the proper AFC Women's Champions League. Um, so eight, eight teams. Uh, Sydney will be in Tajikistan. Um, pl- uh, sorry, sorry, Uzbekistan. Um, playing against Hyundai Steel Red Angels from South Korea. Nasaf from Uzbekistan and Bam Katun from Iran. <laughs> so club tournament, exactly like the well, not not to the same size of, but the equivalent of a Champions League. What what which the men have. Um, so we're in Group B. I'm assuming, yeah. And then the two winners uh, will play in the two group winners from A and B will play in a uh, final. This and is the first time they've ever sort of mixed East and West Asia in the tournament as well. So which is why we're playing like a team from Iran as well as a team, when I say we, Sydney FC, uh, are playing a team from Iran uh, as well as a team from South Korea. I kind of wonder about the significance of that tournament. I think it's 2019, the last time Australia had a team, which was Melbourne Victory. Look at you <coughs> with your memory. Yes, it finished was. Last they finished last, last with and... one draw. Okay. But, I mean, again, it's a good, it's a good um, chance to measure yourself against um, other... Asian football, other Asian football, players, as, as, as with yeah, and interestingly, actually looking at the two thousand and nineteen one, Melbourne Victory <laughs> got defeated four nil by Incheon Hyundai Steel Red Angels, and there's a slight name change, but I'm pretty sure it's the same club in Hyundai Steel Red Angels are in Sydney FC's group there uh, this season, so you can actually sort of maybe give even a bit more of a comparison to see how Sydney, if Sydney FC don't lose four nil, maybe you can say we've improved a bit as in the Australian League in general. Maybe you can see the, say the South Koreans have decreased a bit. Um, but, yeah, so you can actually maybe get a bit of a judge uh, judge on how things have progressed since then. Maybe. I um, have to give a big shout-out to Miranda Templeman, who's playing yes. in the uh, Victorian NPL finals today. Uh, that's South Melbourne. That's her team, and that's where... Um, who's the other keeper that was there until got the scholarship to go to um, America from Mum FC and went to Subiaco. Uh, 
Zara Board. Thank you. Okay. Just had a mental block there for a moment. Sorry, Zara. She was the one that was also the drag racer, wasn't she? Correct. Yes, I remember. Yeah. That. Yes. So because she... I googled her and then thought, well, that's obviously not the same person, and it was. Uh, it was indeed. Yeah. 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 She's um, gone off to America for a scholarship, football scholarship, and and studies, and um, yeah, Miranda's. Um, playing in the final today, South Melbourne versus Bulleen. That'll be interesting. So and that is on sport. NPL TV. Nice. And it's listed at 5.30pm, but I suspect that's probably Melbourne time. So if you're tuning in on NPL TV, I'm guessing you want to turn in at, tune in at 3.30, not at 5.30. Cool. And I did mention that uh, Futsal WA have finished their winter season. All the grand <coughs> finals are done. You can get on to their Facebook page and see all the videos there and uh, goals of the season, etc., etc. Um, they have their presentation night September 22. If you want tickets for that, go to the uh, Futsal Superliga Facebook page for more information. That is a Friday night, September 22nd at Hyde Park. Um, they've had a very good season. Um, I know it was a bit of a tough time for a lot of organisations during COVID period, but mm-hmm. uh, built and built and built, and numbers have, have been pretty good this season, so well done them. Um, we've got the Socceroos playing Mexico on Sunday, uh, other World Cup qualifiers that have been happening. Argentina played, was it Ecuador, 1-0? World Cup qualifiers? Uh, was it World Cup or qualifiers? Or you mean Olymp- Olympic qualifiers? Yeah, probably. might be yeah. that, Olympic qualifiers. There's so many games From the, from the, the women's perspective, I realise that the... the Olympics and the World Cup are basically equal equal footing. I know. Whereas with the men, it's like, well, you know, you care about the Olympics while it's on, but it's the World Cup that really counts. Um, should I? It's not... It Was it an international friendly? Oh, my God, I might have mixed up my details there. Some of the other games were Colombia and Venezuela. Um, that was a 1-0 to Colombia. Um, Messi scored. I, I thought he'd retired. I thought he'd retired I, from international football. I thought he had as well. There you go, he's popping up. He's um, playing there's in the nothing US, to say still... he can't change his mind. He may of course, have decided of course. to still, you know. And, I mean, he's playing in the MLS, <coughs> doing a great job in yep. Miami. Um, and, yeah, obviously doing the business. Scored a nice free kick for Argentina against Ecuador in that game. Uh, and, of course, we have to mention that Sam Kerr and Hayley Rasso were named in the 30-odd yes. nominees for the Ballon d'Or. Yes. How cool is that? That's the first time Australia's ever had two nominees and uh, Sam Kerr is just blitzing it with being nominated for the Ballon d'Or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Haley scored more goals at the Women's World Cup than Sam, so... I, I think she's got more game time too. Oh, yeah. yeah that helps. Oh, I, I think if you do pretty well in the World Cup, it gives you a couple of extra points yep. in the Ballon d'Or ratings, yep. however that works. Mm. Uh, we might go to break and come back and chat more football with Sheriff Andraus, the chair of Football West. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. If you've got anything to add into the conversation, put it onto the World Football Programme group Facebook page. We'll be back very shortly talking more football, of course. 107.9 FM, your local station. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoe, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme. 
rocks. You could be a master. Don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you go find yourself. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you. My apologies, that is a World Cup qualifier. Nice. 1-0 over Ecuador yesterday. Nice. So that's the first round. So they're kicking off already for the next um, World Cup qualifier. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But remember, World Cup this year was Women's World Cup. Qatar was last year. Oh, yeah, but that was still last year. So they've got three years now. South America's all one big league, 10 countries. Brazil's just smashed Bolivia 4-0. So it's a situation normal in South America with the top three being Brazil, Uruguay and Argentina right now. Mm. An endless stream of football, Pete. Yes. Mm. Good morning, Sheriff Andraus. How are you? Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Pete. Very good, thank you. Good to be with you. Uh, Sheriff joins us as the chair of Football West this morning. It is all systems go with football and with the State Football Centre now open. It's all systems go there as well. How's that panning out, Sheriff? Oh, it's it's been brilliant. It's, uh, it is, as you probably recognise, probably about the busiest time of the year for mm. football, Football West. And uh, it's been longer than normal because we've had the Women's World Cup. We've had the whole of the opening of the State Football Centre, including moving all the business and all the staff from Prospect Place to, to the State Football Centre. And if you've removed a whole business of that many people, that's a big thing, let alone opening a big facility like that. So it's been a busy time for us, yeah. Is it all complete? Is everything out of everywhere else and now into the Football Centre? Uh, not really. M- mostly. So all the staff are there. The, the Football Futures Foundation, which is our charitable arm, which you've probably heard of and seen, they're, they're still at Gibney. Um, there's more presence at the State Football Centre. But all the Football West staff are there. The football, State Football Centre itself isn't finished, but it's it, it's uh, it's open, which is good. I did not know it was not finished yet. Yeah, well, if you were there at the weekend, then what, what you would have seen is, is, is Phase 1 or most of Phase 1. There are ah. a, few, a few bits of Phase 1 that's missing. So, for example, the scoreboard, you've noticed was, it was a wonky scoreboard that was just been put in for the day. <laughs> <laughs> a big electronic scoreboard has got quite a, a long lead time to, to, to order nowadays. That will come. That the one you saw at the weekend was, was the final well, final one. Five-a-side pitches, they're, they're there, but all the fencing around them is, uh, you're a fencing person, but that's a bit harder and it's, it's not been delivered yet, so they were all open, but then there were a few other sizes and things that weren't quite there. The, it was it was ninety five percent there and it's a phase one, and phase two is, is the next section that you'd have seen as you were there. That there were the two fabulous pitches there and some private size, but there's some space on the far side for more pitches and more buildings. And that's phase two, and even phase three yet to come. Yeah, 
But as far as phase one, is everything ready for that? So, I mean, I, I'm assuming yeah. that it's not going to be a continuous construction site right for all the phases that you'll go, we're in now, this <laughs> business as usual, then the next phase comes no. at a certain point. We, we, we've got a fully operational state football centre now, and it's, it's a fabulous <laughs> thing you've been there. And we've got lots of things coming up in the next few weeks as well, which is, which is pretty exciting. So the next uh, next event there, will be, well, we actually had the... the, the the cup finals last weekend. We had yep. the school cup finals during the week. Was held there, and then on, on Saturday, sixteenth, the next thing is the top four cup finals being held. Yep. And then every weekend thereafter, quite a few events going on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, a few people were talking at the finals last week at the football centre about what kind of use it's going to get post finals time. Just talk us through what kind of use the centre is going to get through the season? What's anticipated? Yeah, yeah. So just first off, talk about what, what's coming up next. That's the next thing. We've got the international playoff finals. We've got the, the glory game against the state team coming up. Okay. We've got the Amateurs Cup final day. We've got the... What, what, one thing that's really cool is the Para National Championships being held there early October, which is the first time we've held them. And of course, we've got the Matildas coming over there for about 10 days and hopefully there's the open training session or two there as well. So there's a lot of activity between now and start of November. Oh, and let, then... let, hang on, let's work on that because oh, that uh-huh. excited yeah. me. <laughs> so the yeah. the Matilda's going to be there at the State Football Centre, so they're going to do all their yeah. training their there? training base. Okay. Yeah, it'll be their training base. Obviously, they're here for the Olympic qualifiers when they've got they've got three matches at the end of October and start in November. So they'll be using the State Football Centre as their training base. They'll be their home for while they're there in Perth. Okay, how, how are we how are we going to work on that with the community? Because yeah, post Women's World Cup, there's a lot of excitement and and interest in football. And um, you mentioned about the fencing thing not quite complete. So does that mean it's going to be like open to the public? Do you reckon for them to come down and watch training? Well, yeah, well, I certainly hope so. That's something we're working with Football Australia to make sure there's at least one open training session. That this, this should be that we're working hard with Football Australia to arrange when when and when that that would be. But it would seem like an obvious thing to bring the community in to see the Matildas, who they've, they've mm. grown to love over the last couple of months. Yes, absolutely. Whoo, yeah. nice. Mm. They could open that up for a training session and run the bar. I'm sure they yeah. could make some money as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a key thing for us. So we've got a lot of things happening between now and, and, and after the Matildas. And then, and then there's a bit of downtime as the, the pitch needs a bit of recovery, a bit of repair. And then... When the regular season starts, there's, there's going to be a lot of use of the State Football Centre for a lot of the things that Football West does, such as uh, referee training, state team training, um, and things like that. It's be, it's, it's, we've got When we first put the business case for the State Football Centre, it was about four pitches and three fiver sides, and Phase 1 delivered two pitches and three fiver sides. So as you'd imagine, our programming can get a bit tight during the season, so we're still pushing hard to get two more um, two more pitches for the next phase as well. Yeah, I like what you said about refereeing, education, coaching education. I, I suppose that's typically been at Gibney Reserve. Does that mean mm. that you're going to relinquish Gibney Reserve and everything's going to be at State Football Centre now? No, absolutely not. One of the problems we've had, which is a great problem, is a victim of our own success. And the more people want to want to be coaches, more people want to be referees, more people want to play the game. But the other one, which I mentioned briefly, was the Football Futures Foundation, and that's where we've really focused all our social social benefit work, and that's growing really well. 
And so the foundation is being based out of, out of Gibney, and they're running a lot of programs there, Gibney, as well as well as across the state and in the community as well. So Gibney's really become a focus for the for the foundation. So we're definitely not going to relinquish that for the foreseeable future. Okay. We need it. Yeah, that, that's good. And what about um, palling up with other um, organisations? I, I know Football Futures is, is kind of... Um, uh, like partnering with Football West, but what about other groups? Maybe uh, Perth Glory, Football Hall of Fame. Is there going to be room for them at some point to either use the facilities for training or come in and assume some space, or how will that go? Yeah, 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 good question. I mean, that, that is part of phase two. So phase, phase two, when we're talking to government about phase two, would be uh, the extra pitches and the potential for fifth and six pitches and further buildings which will accommodate uh, both Glory and, uh, and the Foundation, maybe the Hall of Fame too, but that's not the space at the moment in Phase 1. The Phase 2 is, is, is definitely what we, we're talking actively as a government about right now, and now the best time to be talking to them when football's uh, top, of, uh, top of mind. Yep, and look, if yeah, the World Cups are creating this or generating this kind of interest and it equals numbers on the ground, then who knows, the red, it might equal such a, an amazing extrapolation in registrations that you have so much more money coming to the coffers, so much more lobbying that um, the, you, know, you can do easily to governments that they go, here, phase two, bring it forward by however many years you were thinking it would be away. And then, you know, Perth Glory, you're in, all the fencing's up and so forth. I'm just thinking very, you know, positively, of course, Sheriff. No, no, well ahead of you, Penny. I'm all over that one. That's exactly what we're doing. We're there on that one. That's exactly the case. Look, we're anticipating, and there's various various numbers being thrown about by, by football bodies, but it could be as many as 20% increase in, in registrations for next season. So there's a lot of demand out there, I, I think, and I think that um, we need to be looking to government, looking to uh, commercial sponsors, looking to anybody to really to help them bring them into the game because this is the time to, uh, to, to make the most of it, really. Sheriff, what's the parking like at uh, the State Football Centre? If we've got cup finals, you know, presumably yep. a few hundred people, maybe even low thousands turning up, uh, does, does it cater for that? Is it is it something we need? Because um, I, I sort of looked where it is on the map. Um, I personally take trains nearly everywhere, and I'm like, uh, it's a bit far from Queen's Park trains. So it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, I'm just sort of like wondering, like, what's it like on match day if you've got a big cup final? Yeah. Is it streets yeah. lined with cars? That's a fair point. We had uh, the, the, the game at the weekend wasn't a great example because it was the inaugural event. We had loads of VIPs. I mean, invited, invited um, politicians and sponsors and lots of people. So we actually allocated most of the car park with VIPs. That was a one-off event. Okay. So the car park itself would, would be open normally on match days, and you know, for the games, I've talked about coming forward, they would be. There's, there's parking for around 200 cars in the main car park. Plus, there's um, Maniana Reserve, which was open at the, at the weekend for another couple of hundred. And then there's plenty of sleep parking around. So that's the parking side. There's a bus stop right outside. It's yep. going to be quite a fancy design. Well, I'm, I'm told it can be in the shape of, a, of some goals or something like that. Oh. Finish it out. And you're right, the, the train station is about, I'm told it's 800 metres away. I haven't done the walk myself. But um, it's, it's not the shortest, but it's, it's a do it manageable walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sort of I would agree mm-hmm. with that. But I did have yeah. some feedback about people that... Um, we're going to the final, don't have cars, um, prefer to bus it and so forth, and it wasn't the easiest to navigate to via buses and trains. Um, but let's hope that if it becomes, um, you know, more numbers get to the games, then we can lobby to get extra bus routes uh, to the, to that space. And, um, and some of the clubs were organising um 
carpooling and, and buses to the game, which was great, and maybe we need to encourage, you know, those kind of, you know, outside of the square arrangements until we get um, bus routes there because, like Pete said, the, the train is not going to get any closer. That's just set. Mm. But if we patronise the centre more, maybe there can be some more public uh, transport routes put into the bus services. Look, I agree. And, and also it's, it's a brand new place. People will start getting used to it and finding their ways to put their way yeah. there. And yeah. before too long, we'll, we'll become accustomed to become second nature as with, as with any new thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, can I put my um, little two pence in too? I was uh, getting rained upon while I was getting my coffee. My coffee was good from the kiosk, by the way, but uh, the way the weather comes into that kiosk, everyone gets wet when they're standing in front of it waiting for their food. So uh, can you put that to the higher people? That's uh, a bit of a, like a shade sale or something over there. Oh, I think, I think I asked me to change the weather now. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't change the weather, I'm afraid. But, uh, yeah. It was unfortunate. It did rain a lot, and, and and it happened to rain a lot when I was handing out the trophies for the MPL final. It just tipped <laughs> down massively, and I really wasn't dressed for it, and I was totally soaked. But it was yeah. it was it, that that was fun. Yeah. It was, uh, look, this, this this time of year is great great for the calendar, and there's so many good things happening. And one, one thing I just wanted to mention, just, uh, just only because I, I know I saw that Tia Stonehill's on after uh, after, yeah. is that we, we had one of my favourite events in the calendar on Thursday evening, just half, which is the African Under Cup, which was held in Wellington Square on Thursday, and we had like 20 African teams playing, and there was food trucks and music, and it was such a great event. And Tia came down for the event and stayed for the whole time, and I've got a great video of Tia playing the African drums, and, and nice. just um, oh, wow. as well as being a great player, she's a great person for doing that sort of thing. So I just wonder. Talking about the calendar and great events, the Afghanistan comes from my favourite for the year. That's a good one. Yeah, actually, that's, it's a good point that you raise. There used to be the Ethnic World Cup that happened in Lathlane and Carlisle many, many uh, years ago, a few decades ago, and then it went off the calendar, it, it come back. But I find that the African community now has grown so much um, that there's probably a lot more out there that we don't talk about. So it's good that you've mentioned the African Cup. Um, there was something down on the Esplanade in Perth. Um, I'm not quite sure what that is or whether that's still on the calendar. And then there's, um, I was talking to someone when I was volunteering at the World Cup that there's another event that's on that's so well patronised and we don't talk about it enough. It's not out there in the social media. And I think that maybe it should be because uh, when, when I think of uh, South American and African football, I think of sound, I think of drums, I think of colour, I think of passion, I think of people supporting it. So if there is that out there in our community, we should be exposing it a bit more, Sheriff. 100% agree, 100% agree. And I, like I say, the event third was fabulous and some of the players were so talented. I was, I was, and the draw was dropped how good, good they were and they were having fun and there was music and the families were there and, and that's something we, we focus a lot on, on, on the MPL and the more structured things and that's, and that's great and glad we do that but football takes so many different forms. And over the summer we this Quite a few things happen in, in Fiber Sides and various summer tournaments. And I know things like father and daughter events, mother and daughter events. And there are various things that are going to be happening very, around various clubs. And I don't know how they get publicised, but um, there's some good stuff that we don't really don't really see quite so visibly, unfortunately. Yes. Um, so feel free whenever we have you on to chat, you just push that message mm-hmm. along. All right. No problem. <laughs> and uh, before we let you go, what about you personally? I know that's your coaching in the Fremantle space. What's happening down there at Fremantle with Warhop Park? Warhop, um, they uh, resurfaced it uh, last summer, so the the ground's a lot better than it was. Um, but we haven't played there much this season. We just started playing in the last few weeks, the home games there. The the change rooms are going to get, uh, I think, knocked down and new, new ones being built there, which, which would be great. Um, 
but there were some issues with the contractors. I'm not exactly sure what that was. I'm not fully involved with Fremantle, and I only coach there. But I do know that when we, we, we played, played a catch-up game there against Cosmos just after the World Cup final, and whilst the floodlights were working, the ground was great, there's no lights in the change room, so it's very much uh, going to change from using a mobile phone. So I think, I think they're, they're going to be constructed over the, over the summer season, so the next year it should be, uh, should be much better than yeah, I think. I hope. Wonderful. Yeah, uh, Warhop's kind of an iconic, one of the iconic iconic grounds around Perth. So, um, yeah, it's great that it's undergoing some kind of redevelopment and, you know, hopefully that's part of uh, the increase in um, interest in football generally, not just women's football, it's uh, football generally. But uh, it is a female or the home of football for female, isn't it? No, absolutely. There is a big... um Big increase. I know I got met, and I copied in the message to the club to all the coaches the other day saying that for the girls' academy next year, they, they've had applications of 250 applications for the academy as opposed to about 120 or so last year. So we've doubled the numbers already. So you can see there's going to be um, a big uptick thanks to, thanks to Matildas, and that's, and that's pretty mental. I'm sure it's going to be people right across the state. Yes, yes. Uh, well, let's hope, like you said, this is the nice problem to have is mm. that lots more people. Um, have this uptake of football in whatever form it is, be it watching it, streaming service, going to a game, taking up five-a-side football, joining a team for 11-a-side, volunteering, coaching, refereeing, whatever it is, just bring it on. Absolutely. It's lots of rules in football. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thank you very much for joining us today, Sheriff. I hope the rain stays away and keeps your leather shoes nice and dry. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Penny. <laughs> Thanks, Sheriff. Thanks, Sheriff. See ya. So I, I did a bit of an overlay map just trying to compare distances here. Um, the football centre? Yeah, relative to yeah. the train stations. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah, so the equivalent uh, distance would be about walking, roughly walking from um, uh, St George's Terrace to HBF Park. So it's not by any means impossible. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, but yeah, you imagine that, that walk through sort of Perth and Northbridge to the park. It's It's not the end of the world, but... It's you're probably going it's to want to take ideal, a bus. Right? You probably want to take a bus. Yeah, I'm thinking about Optus Stadium when we have like the Chelsea and the Man U's and, and, and the yeah train stations obviously at the gate there. Yeah, but sometimes some of the games that I've been there, I've walked a long way and they've had ushers along the yep, way to yep. get you down the correct roads to get to. I, I, I can't see the State Football Centre doing that. No. For, well, they know, won't have the same kind of demand, will they? Practice. Yeah. No, yeah. No, training session or something. But I'm also excited to know, and I really like the fact that Sheriff said that Gibney Reserve is not being relinquished. Yep, so there's enough yep. demand to have their programs there. And also, it's in a different location. So that's Mayland's area. Yep. And I really like that it's come from women's, that was women's soccer's home of football before yep. we, all, we all merged and become one unified code in 2004 and five. That was where women's soccer was, which is really nice. And then Football West have it as one of their centres, and now we have one in Welshpool as well. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. It, we, we've got to assume that state football space, though. We've got to make it recognised. And at the moment, it's just a place where finals might happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the idea that Matildas are going to be training there. It'd be great if Socceroos came for a game and they were training there. I and... imagine they would. I mean, I, mean, I imagine that's one of the selling points to the government of having the ground. 100%. It, I, I, it also, I, I figure it could also be used just when we're having catch-up games if for some reason, you know... Ducks and floods. Coburn City's ground is unavailable yeah. and they need to do a catch-up match. They can use yeah. um, Football West. Yeah, maybe it have to be a significant match, though. 
Well, can we, how many games some, in the middle? If there's some of... reason that a team can't host a host a catch up match, there's always someone that are having that ha, that's having their lighting redone or the, you know, grass torn up for some reason or yeah, they have to preserve it to yep. be pristine for you know, pretty significant events. Yep. So yep. yeah, but uh, so really... it, it would be interesting. It'll be interesting to say look back in five years' time and say this is how much use it has had. Yeah, you know, we've hosted the Matildas here for training sessions. We've had. Um, the Socceroos were here. Maybe we've hosted, maybe we've hosted like another World Cup qualifying group for an under twenty three for the men's or something, you know. And we had two or three countries uh, use the facility. Let's yep. hope it gets that kind of use. Yeah, I I really want to see Perth Glory there in some form. I want to see them there. The the women or the men or the NTC. I just I want to see our pathways there. Well, I want people to know that this is the place to be. Like if you're going to play. For a representative team, be it West Australia or whatever, that this is the place that you will go. There's prestige and status about it. It's the next level up. I agree with that, but uh, in the case of Perth Glory, I think the ownership issue would need to be resolved before we started walking down that path at all. Hundred percent. By the way, apparently, uh, apparently, it looks like Auckland's proceeding towards getting a A League side as well. So there has been some registration of team names, and there's some interest on that side. So. Yeah. Um, as we know, the New Zealand Knights were based in Auckland back in two thousand and five, six seasons. Uh, they were woeful on the pitch and they were woeful off the pitch. Uh, and ironically, off the pitch is probably what counts more. Um, and they finished last in the A League W last year. That no, the f- they didn't exist in the. This is New Zealand Knights, not Wellington. Oh, Phoenix. sorry. Yeah. So yep. Wellington Phoenix, as I understand, are going as well as any A League side goes off the field. Um, but I had heard a few other tales as to why New Zealand were so bad. Um, like they were playing at North Harbour Stadium, which ironically with my talk about the football centre, was apparently a very hard stadium to get to um, for fans. And I do know that for their first couple of games, they actually did get decent crowds. They had like nine, ten thousand for their first game, first home game. You know, big, big hype, new tournament, new league. Here's your, here's your team, New Zealand. And they, they had a decent crowd turn up. But I guess when the crowd realises that the team has no hope whatsoever. Um, it probably went sour very quickly with the general and, and was a difficult ground to get to, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It went sour very quickly. So I'd be interested to see if they yeah. can revive it. You've got to tick a lot of boxes to get a regular support yes. for a club. Yes. It's not just about a free pass or team winning. It's, you know, all those other things, transport, good pies, coffee, you know, room Local, locals, as, locals playing as well. Yep. I mean, 100%. you can't just plonk a new team down import a bunch of players from England yeah. and say, this is your team, Auckland. Um, that said, if it goes well, uh, a Auckland-Wellington derby would be, derby as they probably say, um, would be fascinating, would be fantastic. We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat to Tia Stonehill. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. Thanks for listening in and stay listening. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal, and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our uh, banners and this and that. 
the feeling when Rory scores is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Suddenly everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering, yelling and flag wave. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. I just realised when I went looking through the World Football log in my Perth Glory audio, I have no female Perth Glory audio, none relating to the Perth Glory women's team. Tia, are you listening to that? None of the audio yeah. that I have. So if you can sing or strum a guitar or, or play the some girls African drums, do, yeah, <laughs> get the girls together. <laughs> it just oh, has to be like thirty I, I seconds. I'm going to help you out there. Yeah, it just has to be like you're all you all went to a party or something, and it was like you know after drinks, eleven o'clock at night. Get out your little phone, record it, and get someone going back glory, and all screaming, and and I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. It has to be legible, though, right? Be able to understand it. <laughs> and suitable for airplay as well. Yeah, that's right. G-rated, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Good morning, and thank you very much for joining us on the show. We've got Tia Stonehill, striker for. Back at it, Edna, and now Perth Glory. Congratulations, Tia. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. It's been an amazing couple of years for you. In fact, it's probably been a pretty incredible three years. You you had a pretty awesome season before your injury, uh, a year off because of your injury, and back into it, and another awesome season. Yeah, yeah, seems to be uh, the case. So, yeah, it's, um, no, it's good. You don't do anything yeah. by halves, do you? <laughs> No, not at all. I just, all or nothing. <laughs> That's good. How's the body feeling after a full season of soccer post-injury? Um, feeling pretty good, to be honest. I um, focused a lot on which was really good. We had um, a friend of mine who is a strength and conditioning coach, and he got on board with the team um, this year as well. So that helped like, immense, um, immensely. And, yeah, just trying to take care of the body and, um, get through the season without any injuries, which we did. And, yes, yeah, i just having a little bit of time off um, at the moment until I jump in with the, the glory squad. So, but, yeah, feeling pretty good. Are you back to pre-injury health and fitness? Yeah, I would say I'm probably better than where I was before. <laughs> I, um, I've, yeah, put in a lot of extra work, so it's paid off. So, yeah, I'm feeling, yeah, feeling the best that I have. That's good. Do you feel you got everything that you needed to heal properly during your rehab? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I did. I, yeah, did all sorts of stuff and, yeah, gym and pool and fitness and so, yeah, that was a lot, that was a lot. And mentally and, yeah, I think that's got me to where I am now, which is good. You're a strong person and you're... I remember, I keep remembering you as a younger person when you were sassy and quick and um, volatile as well and you've kind of streamlined and channeled all of that into this amazing athlete, which is really great to watch and clearly Perth Glory coach thinks you're pretty awesome as well and wants to harness that, um, you know, include it and 
put it in the Perth Glory squad and we all want to see that as well. I think of uh, Hayley Rasso who copped a really bad back mm. injury a few years back and and she's a professional athlete, right? I think of her as a, a Matilda, an athlete that has all these amazing resources and people around her to get better and the, the journey that she would have taken may or may not have been the same as yourself but the access to resources would have been different. Did, did you feel at any time during your journey that you banged your fist in, in your hand and said, I want more, I'm not getting what I need? Yeah, I, I guess you're right. When you, when you look at it like that, like obviously someone like that would have had everything at their fingertips, but I just yeah, made it made it the best that I could. And yeah, it was a little bit harder in the sense of what I was, you know, what was available to me. But yeah, at the end of the day, I just had to, had to get it done and, and do what I could and like you know I went out and saw my own specialist and all this sort of stuff which was obviously you know it cost a lot of money but I, I didn't want to muck around with my back and obviously wanted to get the best care that I could that was in reason so but yeah it was it, it is a bit like that because yeah <laughs> yeah don't have those resources that someone like that would have how does your? I assume you've got um, your regular specialists and things that you've seen. Has your doctor, you know, got a little box at the end of the you know, the rehab um, year or 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 area or whatever, and, and he's gone okay, tick, tea is all good. Don't come back and see me. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like that. Yeah, I remember that actual moment when he was pretty much like, "Yep, good to go. You can start." getting on the pitch and start doing your thing. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> we did it. And I mean, like, it, it was still, still had to get on the pitch and, and get through all of that as well. But um, it was just that kind of moment, that feel-good moment that how far I've come and that, yeah, it was actually a reality. Yep. And you've done it. You've um, got out there and done what T does well. You, you've run and you've scored goals and... You've got better and better and better, and 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 look at that. The end of the season, twenty-four goals. You're top of the goal-scoring charts, as you've done in the last uh, few years, and you'll be pulling in another trophy this year. Good job, Tia. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, it was twenty twenty-one when you won the gold medal, and I think you were joint golden boot with Larissa Walsh that year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was right. I think we got. 18, 18 goals each that season. Yep. So I'm glad that I um was able to get get more goals than I did that year. So that was what I was striving for. So yeah, yeah. Larissa's over in uh, Melbourne, it, Melbourne with uh, Western United, I think. Um, hoping to yeah. move through. They're with, they're one of the female only clubs in Australia who are affiliated as uh, what's the name of the the Western. underpinning club. Western United. Yeah, under the underpinning club that she plays with, that she went to, is a pathway into Western United oh, Women's in the A League. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the coach yeah. has just been secured by the Philippines as their national coach. Mm. So that's uh, you know, as as we all have our pathway and journey into ambitious uh, ambitions, and Larissa's was to move over east, as so many of West Australians have done in yeah. the past few years. What about yourself? Yeah. Do you see yourself uh, taking it day by day and, and what the opportunities will you know, 
be provided to you or are you thinking Perth Glory is a way for me to move to another place? Um, at this stage, I'm taking it day by day. <laughs> um, but obviously, yeah, I have big dreams and big aspirations. So I, um, for me, I feel like this is just the beginning. So obviously, yeah, I want to achieve as much as I can, but still, yeah, taking it day by day. So what about the day by day for Tia Stonehill? This time, a few years back, you were, I think you were working as a lifeguard, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And w- what is life for you now? Um, I'm currently um, at the Academy for Corrective Services, so um, a prison officer. Wow. Mm. Uh, and in training for Special Operations Group, so it's, it's like uh, it's an elite group with the Department of Justice who um, their main role is to respond to large incidences and, and major disturbances throughout, like, the corrections in the state. Um, so, yeah, I graduate on the 21st of September, so nearly done, less than two weeks to go. Um, and then once I graduate, um, I'll be jumping in with the girls and, and starting pre-season um, and then just working part-time um, at a prison here, just as a prison officer um, until the season's done and then I'll get back out into my special ops um, and go from there. So, yeah, that's the plan for now. But, yeah, like I said, day by day. So, yeah. I think that kind of fits with you, actually. I I was thinking, (laughs) surely, uh, isn't the coaching staff worried about you copying an injury from work, Uh, you know, in your corrective services role? Um, I haven't really spoken. Like, (laughs) I haven't mentioned it. I'm not worried about getting hurt, though. It's um, it's pretty controlled environment. So, okay. and yeah, it's yeah, hmm. it's not as crazy as people think. It's not like the movies. So, okay, okay. <laughs> that's, good. that's so funny. I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Things can still yeah get get crazy, but it's ninety percent calm, ten percent chaos. So, but um, well, I'm just sort of imagining, you know, watching a. W, uh, sorry, uh, A-League women's match, you know, in the future. And, you know, this player's injured because they've done their ACL and this player's injured because they've twisted their ankle. And this player Tia was, was injured because she was in a prison riot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah, so I won't funny. be doing any of that. I won't be doing any of that while I'm in season. So I'll just be, um, yeah, I'll just be in a, in, a, in a unit just looking after some of the... Some of the local criminals. <laughs> it's uh, it's Coldy United that Larissa Welsh plays for, by the way. Okay. Yeah, they okay. filter into Western into United. Western. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, Tia, how is this all going to work with Perth Glory? Uh, you're taking a break now. <coughs> Perth Glory actually started their pre-season last night, I think. So that might have been yeah, the yeah. first time that everyone got together. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yesterday was the first official day of pre-season. So, yeah, most of the girls who are here and um, ready all kicked off. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be joining them um, as soon as I graduate. So you haven't been involved with the actual, like, yesterday's pre-season then? No, not yet, no. Okay, because we've seen they've started. signed the two um, two girls from the Philippines so far, um, obviously yeah. with the least, Perth Glory's yeah. connections yeah. to the Philippines coaching. So I was just wondering if you'd if you'd met them or even if they were here yet. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if they're over yet or not. But 
Um, yeah, no, I haven't met them yet. I actually am not even sure if they're here, but um, we are doing a catch up tonight. So, okay. um, yeah, the girls are all going to just go out for dinner. So it'll be good. So I'll see who's here and um, hopefully meet the rest of the team. Yep. N- nice. Now, it- it's still a mix of uh, local players. Uh, semi-professional players and professional players in the whole of the A-League, W. Um, where do you fit into that? The season is a longer season that's been for a W-League season. Oh, A-League W, I don't know how the hell to say it. A-League season. <laughs> um, A-League season, it's the most rounds. Are you dedicating your whole time during that time to being a professional footballer or do you work full-time or part-time and then play football part-time? How does that work? Um, so, yeah, football will be my main, um, I, I'd say, job. <laughs> um, so that's, like, my priority at the moment. So essentially just focusing um, on that and whatever that um, requires of me and then fitting in anything else around that. So, yeah, that's the, so that's you the gradu- structure of offering. So you graduate your job at Corrective Services or graduate your yep. training to be yes. full-time in the corrective services and then when you finish the A-League season, you'll go into that job full-time? Yeah, yeah. So while I'm with Glory, I'll just be working part-time. So they've worked out um, a pretty casual working arrangement for me. So it's pretty much I just work whenever I can, whenever I want type thing um, around what I do at Glory. And then, yeah, obviously when the season ends and we've got a break, I'll just... Um, convert back to full-time and I'll just pick up on the normal rosters and then, yeah, go from there. That's mm. pretty accommodating. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's um, really good. Yes. And the Women's World Cup that's just finished, um, did you get to games here in Perth? Yeah, yeah. When I went to all the games in Perth. It was, um, oh, it was an amazing few weeks. Um, and I was so sad when it all ended. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it was pretty full on, wasn't it? Just uh, people talking about it, it and wearing scarves yeah. and being at the fan festival and the games and travelling here and there. And yep. I'm sure we all uplifted the Qantas um, shares at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately, I didn't get to go over to any of the games because I've been at a catch. But a lot of the girls um, from Balcata and a lot of my friends were travelling here, there and everywhere to go see games. It was pretty incredible. Mm. Um, T, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. It's great to see you playing football again. Um, we'll all realise just how much and how far you've come when we see you on the pitch for Perth Glory. Do you know when uh, the pre-season matches for Perth Glory will start? Do you have any dates you can share with us in your mind about pre-season friendlies? Um, I know there is a few. Um... That's okay. We won't put you on the spot. We'll let our listeners know when we find out. And to yep. keep an eye out. For yeah, them. I think Saturday the sixteenth and Wednesday the twentieth of September. Okay. Two, okay. Yeah. Okay, not too far away. Are they Next here week. in yeah. Perth? Because I know something's happening down in Bunbury. I'm not sure what date that one is. Um. Yeah. Those. These two are both in Perth. But okay. Yeah. Don't quote. Yeah. Don't quote me on it. But that's, that's okay. I think we'll look them up. And just for the young people out there wanting to follow Tia or generally follow Perth Glory, the a League Pass now includes Perth Glory, so you can go to Perth Glory website or Keep Up or the Perth Glory. I think even on their Facebook page, there's a link there somewhere, and it's for 16 and under or under 16. I'm not sure about that part, but uh, you can get in free to all the Perth Glory games 
That's home games. With with an adult, is it? With a with a existing ticket holder? I don't know about that. Not sure. Okay. And it's it doesn't include men's games, only the women's games, which are at uh, Macedonia Park. Okay. So stealing Macedonia yeah. there. Yeah. Um, Tia, I think you're bloody amazing. And I think that um, half of WA are already behind you because of the journey that you've taken. I think the other half are going to get on board when you start playing football for Perth Glory because they'll yeah. know about you if they didn't before. So uh, dare to dream, Tia, and bring <coughs> it on. I'm going to love watching you play football for Perth Glory. I hope it all goes great for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys. You have a great weekend, Tia. Thanks, Tia. You too. See ya. That was Tia Stonehill, who's a striker for Balcata and now Perth Glory, trying to fit everything in life in and just Mm. taking it as it comes. Nice. Uh, And as mentioned, the Glory women have signed two Filipino players. Uh, I'm probably going to get these names wrong. I apologise, but... Quinley Quezada is a midfielder slash striker, 26 years old, and she's the record holder for the most number of goals scored for the Philippines national side. So hopefully she should... Do you know how many that is? Yeah, I do. It's uh, 22 matches in 51 games. Right. So that's not a bad 22 goals in 51 games, you mean? Yeah, okay. What did I say? 22 matches in 51 games. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, 22 22 goals in 51 matches. Yeah, okay. Uh, And also Jessica Cowart who um, is a midfielder slash defender. They seem to have dual roles a lot. Um, and, yeah, again, she is, has played 21 games for the Philippines. So um, exciting times for the Glory women as well. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. I thought you'd have something to say then. I didn't expect the blank well, look. I'm kind of... Um, I'm looking forward to watching the preseason for Perth Glory. Yeah. Um, I just think, where's the dates for the Perth Glory preseason for the men? For the men. So Tuesday night they had a friendly match against Olympic Kingsway, which they won 3-1. And this Tuesday night they're playing Florian Athena, and it's free entry to that match. Where's that one? At Florian Athena. Okay, yeah. nice. All right, go to perthglory.com.au to find out... Or yeah. jump on Facebook and type in Perth Glory FC, you'll find it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yes, yeah, so a lot's coming up for summer football. I, I have noticed that there is a lot of summer football being started by clubs like Fiverr Sides, and mm. I even saw some clubs doing you know the mini football, the Ruball, in summer. All right. Yeah, so the only thing I can think about that is that they want to capture, like start their development programs, or there's been so much interest from post-World Cup that they just some clubs have said to me in discussions that they've had so many people inquire about registering that they don't normally have a competition. Yep. It doesn't start 11 side until like February or so, but they've just started these competitions over summer. Just and it's to, probably a decent little money spinner. And I'm, I'm not saying that cynically at all. It's like if you've got people coming up to you saying, hey, we want our kids, you know, our little, little Johnny to kick a soccer ball around over and October, November, December, why wouldn't you start up a comp for them I kinda, if you had that many people? I kind of wonder how they're going to get the grass space because uh, also having some conversations with um, people in local councils and so forth is that there's no more grass space. Like mm. y- you have to be looking after the current grass space you've got. There's no more to be given unless they clear buildings, uh, clear bush or whatever. Mm. So if with the summer-winter sport crossovers, how do they get that space when it's being used by other sports? 
Don't know the. I don't expect you to have the answer for me there, Pete. It's just a question that's that's out you there. You can play it on the outer at a cricket match, and you just need a spotter to shout out the one or two times that the cricket ball's heading, you know, to where mm-hmm. to where they're playing. Mm-hmm. Football and just sort of watch out. There's a cricket ball incoming, and everyone gets out the way, and then they resume. And is it Done. okay to Selman play? Selman ideas, man. It, it, is it okay to play on dirt? I mean, you know, we love to play on grass. Yep. And we might like to do well, our what tackles. Do you mean, what do you mean by dirt? Well, just you know, it could be sand, it could be beach, it could be like a I don't know, just a, a vacant block like that's not being used for the moment. We could have a three-a-side or a four-a-side or a five-a-side. I, I don't know. I mean, street football. I'm just thinking of all these different things. Where well, look, if you if you want to head down with your mates and in... kick a ball around in a vacant lot, I'm sure no one's going to say anything. But it would be an issue if you tried to sort of set up an organ, uh, set up a tournament an and say, you know, hey, pay five bucks, yeah, <laughs> pay five bucks each, and we can play in this vacant lot. No, I wasn't thinking like that. I was just thinking more that. And if there's land that's not being used somewhere that the government could say, well, summer competition doesn't have to be permanent. Just, you know, until this gets developed, we're going to do a little bit of levelling and grading and bring in a kids' competition for this summer or whatever. Yep. don't know. Just uh, have to think outside the box. We'll have to think more outside the box if we get the demand and we don't know what to do with it. I mean, yeah, true. I mean, the one thing you, you don't want is the demand to go to waste. No, we don't want to turn it away, ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, there goes our registrations and lobbying for phase two of the State Football Centre. Yeah. Hmm. Let's go to a break and come back and chat more football with Don Sutherland from the Football Supporters Association of Australia, FSAA. I, I, that doesn't roll off my tongue easier. There's got to be a different way I can say that. Football Fusa. supporters. Football supporters. Fusa. Okay, we'll ask Don no, what he says. No. Okay, back soon. <laughs> You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. You said you wanted Sam Kerr and the Matildas to come to Perth, Western Australia, and the McGowan government has delivered. For the Matildas to come to Perth, uh, particularly for the first competitive game in its history, it's just an exciting opportunity for the local young female players to look up and aspire to what they might want to be. Australia will play against some of the top teams in Asia. We're playing Chinese Taipei play against Iran and we'll also play against the Philippines. This is an important competition for the Matildas. It's a, a qualifying campaign. We need to win these matches in order to play in Paris in 2024. I'm looking forward to see the Matildas play in their backyard, especially Sam coming back home, playing in front of her family and friends. We've made this happen, actually. We're part of the legacy, part of Sam Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> this will produce a festival of football. It's very exciting because we'll have overall six games of spectacular international women's football played across a week-long tournament between the 26th of October and the 1st of November. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete in the studio until 12. If you miss any part of the show, you can go to our website, theworldfootballprogram.com.au. 
use the menu drop down link and go to podcast and it's up about an hour or two after the show finishes yep. by Nick Templeman. Thank you, Nick. We have Donald Sutherland on the line from Football Supporters Association of Australia. That is some mouthful, huh. Don. Is there some way that you can shorten that that we can just put it out there? Well, I thought you meant Donald as opposed to Don, but uh, you yeah, go FSA, eh? That, that, that works just as well. F-S-A-A. People just have to Google it and find out what it is. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel, I feel like I'm saying one of those little um, tongue twisters that when you're young, your mum gets, you know, tells you to say so you can get your like articulation correct. Yeah. Well, you pass. So full uh, credit to you and your mum. Uh, Makes me no, feel like I'm a Queenslander, eh? Eh? Yeah. yeah. Good one. Well, I like it very too. We, we, we're represented in Queensland, Pete, so, yeah. you know, that'll make sense to them. So yeah. all good. Yeah, it's, it is amazing, isn't it? You can be representative or you can have representatives from anywhere in the world these days. You yeah. can sit in your house and you can be a part of oh, yeah. a global organisation and feel like you are part, like right there. You can do the voice yeah. calls, the video calls and then whatever other link-ups. Technology is amazing. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's a double-edged sword because as much as you're connected, you're also then accountable at the same time. So you, yeah. you can't have your quiet little conversation thinking the world isn't listening. No. Uh, you know, they are. So, But it's got great reach, so really good. Yes, yeah, so tell us about the FSAA, what it hopes to achieve. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, the, the I guess the history of it was that it was bubbling along in the background uh, um, probably for most of last year. Um, you know, I don't need to remind too many people about what happened in Melbourne in uh, in December last year, and yep. and that really was the the trigger that sort of said, okay, time to to formalise this and pull it together. And um, there were several communications out to social media world to identify people that wanted to be a part of it. And um, and it was uh, early in 2023 that we came together, now fully incorporated. And our goal is is really to be a, a sort of a, a leader, a uniter and an advocator for all issues that relate to football supporters across Australia. And sometimes there are people saying, so what's a football supporter? It's anything that you want to be. You could be a player, you could be a, a coach, a, a carer, um, someone that works in admin, someone on a club committee. Uh, obviously, it goes as high up as our professional A-leagues, men's and women's, and it goes down the football pyramid through MPL and everything that's below that. And um, if there's someone that has a, a voice and an opinion on issues that affect the game that we all love, you know, we're really keen to hear it. So um, the more people that, that join the association, the more that communicate with us, the more we'll know and the more we can, we can act upon. So that's pretty much where we're at at the moment. Do you have the <coughs> relationships established with all the organisations that you want to affect? I would say we have uh, progress with many, uh, all. I think that's a that's a long list, and uh, you know, bit by bit and gradually, we'll start to uh, make contact and, and make a difference. Hopefully, with the right people. So, you know, at the moment, we've we've uh, got good uh, communications with uh, the APL through Danny Townsend, uh, the PFA through um, Bo and, and Kate Gill. Uh, the football coaches uh, of Australia with Phil Moss, although um, Phil is just now to be stepping down, but we're hoping to, to pick up with whoever replaces him. We've connected with uh, FSA in England, FSE being Europe, uh, club execs at A-League levels and, and active groups as well, and now more recently some of the, the FRGs or fan representative groups that have, have been born across each of those uh, A-League clubs. So... There's a lot of tentacles being reached. None of these things happen overnight, obviously, and you've got to gain trust, and uh, that doesn't happen in the first interaction. But, um, yeah, to be honest, pretty happy with the way in which we're engaging with people and getting some really good positive support back towards us. Um, 
which means back towards football supporters. So that's that's the ultimate goal. You sound very excited and passionate, and that's coming across very clearly, and that's exactly what we want to hear, of course, that someone is driven to do whatever it is that you want to do. What is on the agenda? What's first up? What is first up is where we get the most uh, feedback from uh, football supporters. And, you know, we're a a broad cross-section of a crazy community, and so um, somebody's hot button is, is not necessarily somebody else's, but... The, the areas that we've been talking around, and none of these will be a surprise to any one of your listeners or to either of you guys. Uh, in fact, I'd be surprised if, if one was, was a, uh, a surprise to you. Um, things like registration fees, that the cost of playing this game at the, at the most junior entry level is, is extraordinary, and that needs um, adjustment. The, uh, most recently, we partnered with the PFA to put out an announcement around funding for women's football. There's this $200 million investment uh, play our way but the, the investment was was uh, very significantly flagged on the back of the huge success of the Matildas both on and off the pitch yep. so it would seem fair that you would try to allocate funding from that 200 million that's at least commensurate with the number of participating registered players and uh, to that extent football's at the wrong end of that um, that queue so we want to see women's football being given uh, the predominant amount of that funding rather than uh, women's sport. Um, you know, both both should uh, should be looked after, but when it's on the back of the success of the Matildas, you think it should go to the greatest number of, of participants. Was, um, things like Ma- Don, hang on. Sorry, was anything yeah. that you said then linked to the amount of money that Football Australia received from FIFA for their World Cup finishing position? Uh, we we haven't picked up on on any specific uh, contribution that's come from FIFA or anybody else, but we've recognised that the government has now put forward their position uh, that they're going to allocate $200 million, um, and I think it's the Play Our Way campaign yes. that they've put that under. Women's and, sport. You know, sure, women's sport, correct. Um, uh, did I say women's football? Uh, that's what it should be, but it's yeah, women's sport is where that's going to. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it irks I think any genuine football supporter that you see the politicians <laughs> of the day not just wearing green and gold, but wearing a Matilda scarf uh, yep. and, and waxing lyrical about how awesome they are and what they've yes. done to unite football and then say, we're just going to scatter any any donation we can make and some of it might land in, in women's football. But, you know, I, I think you've got to have a fair go at this sort of stuff and, and our hope is that we can campaign uh, with the support of, of football supporters across the country and football players across the country to... Um, ensure that there's a much fairer distribution of, of those funds to, to women's football. I think that you and I both probably make that mistake, that $200 million put into what promised to be put into women's football. I hear it as $200 million into women's soccer, women's... Yeah. Uh, sorry, I did it then. I, I meant to say $200 million into women's sport, right? But I, in my head, I hear, ooh, it's going into women's... Football, yeah, or women's soccer. Yeah, it should be. It should be. But you're right. It's going to women's women's sports. Sorry, um, all the other women's sports. I think, sports I, out I, there. think I got that right. Yeah, correct. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not really an apology issue because uh, you know if we've been watching um, a female representation of another code around the world, and we've just had great success in in uh, netball, and you know that, that's terrific. But the pollies are running around wearing Matilda scarves, saying what an unbelievably great uh, contribution they've made to Australian culture and. And sporting culture, okay, well, back that up now. Now's the time to, to show what we want for the next generation of Matildas. Um, yeah. these, these girls and young boys um, 
are starving for this sort of stuff and they need to be looked after. We want the pathways, we need the coaching, we need the support, we need admin, we need facilities. Um, it doesn't come easy. So uh, you know, I heard a great line, I think it was on social media somewhere, I apologise, I can't remember who said it, but it, I think it was their six or seven-year-old son that asked the mum, mum, is there a boys team of Matildas? And I just yeah. thought how awesome that is that they've had that and you know amount of an impact. That it's not just the girls that, that are in love with this game and, and want to sort of pursue it. It's it's young boys as well, and you know we don't care where they come from, um, but we need to to support women's football um, as a predominant next focus. I think. But you know what that is saying to me? It, it's that that young lad doesn't yet know the difference, right? And sure. until the norms kick in, or the education kicks in, or the influences from. Yeah, the third parent TV and Google and so forth kick mm. in, yeah. then this is just what his impression is. And this is, oh, God, I, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I just have to mention it, right? So all this big kerfuffle now about what happened at the uh, World Cup uh, presentation with Spain mm. um, yeah. is about yeah. norms and culture. It's just about norms and culture and how this World Cup has shown us that maybe there's so much differential that it's, like we're questioning what happens in other countries, that is their norm, but it's a differential to someone else. And is it right or is it wrong? So we're, mm. we're having these conversations that show, well, okay, what is your norm and what has been expected isn't necessarily what is correct or right. And so we have these yeah. conversations and we go, well, actually your culture is different to ours, but is that okay? Is it not okay? And then we kind of, you know, getting back to the, the young lad and the comment that you made, it's like, well, actually... Um, young man, um, the Matildas is a women's football team and the men's version is the Socceroos. So yep. what you aspire mm. to be is a Socceroo. So he's now been educated and that's normal yep. and it's correct. So we have mm. these global conversations that have been brought to light so well by this recent Women's World Cup. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think though, even if you look at the vilification that's gone on in, in Spain, uh, you know, within their own um, supporter groups, it, it, it's it's not their culture that's that's accepted and found to be out of place over here. It was it's been vilified there. And um, look, this is a learning process. People, um, you know, we talked at the start of this about the small world we're in. You, you can't do things today without it now being on yes. on social media or across the world. And examples have to be set, and behaviour has to be appropriate. And you know, we we all, um, if we want to link arms and move forward and make this a success, it's got to be done in the right way. Uh, at every level of the game. And, uh, just be prepared. You're not excluded if you're the world champions. Well, look, just be prepared to own it. If you make a mistake, you own it. If you're sure. going to be seen yeah. to be accountable in the eyes of the world, big brother is watching you or big sister is watching you, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, then, yeah. you know, a mistake is made, uh, something gets overlooked, behaviour was wrong, sorry, be remorseful, fix yeah. it, and then just move on, and that's a norm, and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, correct. No, I completely agree. So I just have to mention... And some of the other things... You oh, go. Go on, go on Don. I was just going to say, you asked about the other thing. So, um, and I want you know supporters to to hear that, that some of these might resonate with them. Um, broadcast. I think you've got Robbie Thompson on after this, so yes. yep. be very interested to hear more about uh, where that's going because there's there's been a lot of criticism around that. And I think it's it's justifiable, and I think people have owned up for that. But that was then. This is now. We, we need to see the the real progress uh, behind that. Um, match day security volunteers, stewards, etc. Um, we've got to be sure. I think with with policing um, across all of the stadia, and this is probably more A-League men's than, than anything else, but it, it, it uh, filters down through the group, that, yes, you need a safe environment, but it's got to be consistent. You've got to know when you travel from, 
from A to B to C to D across all of the various grounds, that you're going to get a consistent level of, uh, you know, whether it's policing or security or support, to be in a safe environment and not to be felt like the odds are stacked against you as you walk into a stadium because uh, look the wrong way and you're going to be ejected or, or challenged. And I think that drives, um, that drives most people away from games. And you know, whether this is an APL issue or it's a Football Australia issue or both, I suggest it's probably APL and then at club level, uh, we've got to see a change in, in that as well um, to make sure that it's a, it's a great experience and it's not one that you need to be, uh, I guess, um, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, concerned that you're going to be marched up against a wall for looking the wrong way. And, um, and there's been a lot of stories that have been published around, um, let's say, heavy-handed um, policing or security. So mm. it'd be great to get that, that um, relationship between supporters and stadium authorities and security, um, you know, in a, in a much better place. Um, so there's some of the, the key issues. There's, there's lots of others that, that filter below that. But um, this is what we're working on and, and trying to be sure that when we speak to the right people, we've got their support, their understanding. Very conscious that as much as we'd love to flick a switch and see change the next day, um, it's sowing those seeds of, of discussion and then seeing resolution and then holding all of us, and that's, that's the FSAA as well as the people we're dealing with, accountable for delivering on the timelines that we agreed to. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's a lot going on, a lot of relationships and a lot of topics that we're trying to get through. It's evolution, isn't it? And the first thing For is sure. that we talk about it. And I think this the Women's World Cup has really highlighted to me that it's just about communication. Like, if we all are on the same wavelength and we're talking about it openly, safely, um, then we understand more about what someone else thinks, someone else does, different cultures, different norms yeah. and whatever. It's not necessarily... A, a change, like a, an impact or something that will be done, it's a, okay, let's talk about that because we just noticed that that was different or it's done this way or, you know, uh, you know whatever it is, we're just communicating better. Like the communication through this yeah. World Cup has been absolutely bloody incredible and it's because so yeah. many people are endorsing it and watching it and being in the same place. Yeah. It's mm. great. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I've been public on this before. Somebody asked me years ago in in business, if you had a magic wand and you could fix something in, in the business world, what would it be? And I said communication. But in truth, that, that is in personal relationships, that's in family relationships, that's in, in sport. You know, it, it, if everyone comes together and we all understand each other's perspective and not make assumptions around how I think you're going to behave and therefore how I'm going to counteract that, and mm. um, the world would be a better place. So uh, this, is, this is one of the main reasons that the FSAA was formed. It's to have a seat at that table where we can represent and communicate uh, you know, across the supporter group, but also to all of the key stakeholders that ultimately drive the, the changes to our game. And um, the more we can have with people sitting behind us supporting what it is we're trying to do on their behalf, the more we're likely to enact change. So that's the goal. Absolutely. How do people offer support or join or find out more about what's happening? Yeah, very easy, Penny. You can just jump straight onto the uh, the website, which is fsaaus.com, uh, and there is a, um, a a join page. There's a information around who we are, you know, and about us type scenario. Um, as a contact page, but uh, very importantly, and it's at no charge. Um, it's to join, and it opens up a wealth of communication from the committee through to members. Um, we prioritise all of our communication to the members because they're the people that have have come on board with us and, and then if there's a secondary uh, issue we'll then put that out on social media but um, that's the closest link there's a Facebook page that people can then join and, 
and ask their questions and, and so on. So um, that's the easiest way to uh, to get on board. And we, we welcome anyone and everyone that has a vested interest in our game. Or you can go to our Facebook page because there is a link there now as well. Nice. Even better. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, that's terrific. So the question is, if people join the FSAA, does that mean that they have a direct conduit to give feedback or it's a forum? Yes, for yeah. sure. Yep. Okay. No, absolutely. They can, they can go direct. I mean, if the, uh, the info at fsaaus.com email goes straight through to the committee um, and that's handled by any number of the committee people at the same time. Um, it, can, it can go on to the office bearers uh, directly, so the, the chair, the, the uh, vice chair, um, secretary, treasurer, etc. Uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to set this up so that um, if, we're, if we're going to be someone or an association that leads, unites and advocates for football supporters, well, then we've got to be in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And our commitment is to get back to people in a, in a you know, very quick period of time. We don't want people getting uh, out of their way to communicate with us and they don't hear back from us. So... Um, we're, we're pretty quick to reply as well, and, and that's the way it should be. And it's free to join and uh, WA representatives. Yeah, we've got representatives across five states of Australia at the moment in the committee. Uh, there's about six or seven clubs that are represented in terms of people having a, a link to not just A-leagues but to clubs in the NPL. And our secretary is based in uh, in WA along with one of our other uh, committee members. So WA is, uh, is alive and well in the FSAA for sure. Nice. And just to give us an idea of what levels of uh, football the committee members come from, like uh, grassroots oh, or NPL? Uh, how long have you got? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, um, nice. It's, look, I think what I... And, and the reason that I got involved with this is that I saw all these, these communications on social media way back earlier in the year and I sat in the wings saying, look, this is the sort of thing that you can either um, dismiss as being, you know, not of interest to me or something I don't want to be involved in and you can maybe throw stones at it and criticise it from afar or if you really want it to work, maybe you just have to roll your sleeves up and get involved and and participate and and if it works, you can contribute to driving that and if you don't like it, you can contribute to correcting it and I think that is maybe a decent (laughs) summary of all the people that are involved. We've got different genders, different ages, different football backgrounds from those that have played, those that have lived and, and worked in Europe, those that have that travelled all over the country to watch the games. Uh, you know, it, it's a very diverse group. And why is that important? Because the football supporters community at large is a, is a very diverse group as well. So um, we've got people that have been involved with active sections of clubs. We've got people that are, are keen to be involved in the FRGs across the various um, clubs. You know, it, it, it goes everywhere. And I think... Probably the, the, the biggest shift in terms of our communication internally has been born out of this enormous success of the Women's World Cup. And, um, and I think that, again, is maybe reflective of the football supporters across Australia, that for some it was a passion that they've had for years. Some of our committee members were in France four years ago. Um, for others, uh, it was a sort of, yeah, I know it exists, but I don't know much about it. And now we've, we've just been able to bring all that together so... If football was ever a male-dominated domain, <laughs> you know, watch this space if it hasn't already uh, changed as significantly as as, uh, as we all think it will. And um, that's just great for the game too. So that's where all of our people come from. Um, it's a, a really diverse group of people. Do you have females on your committee, Dom? Yeah, we do. We'd like more, to be honest. Um, we have two at the moment, and uh, one based in Sydney and one is the same in Perth. Uh, the diversity of the group is that, you know, it should reflect football supporters 
as best as we can. And as time goes by, we'd welcome the opportunity to, to bring more women into the uh, into the committee and as part of the FSAA. Awesome. Uh, Don, you're awesome to chat to. Uh, you know, one sure. of the things that we pride ourselves on here is that we never stick to one line of... Uh, content, we always get distracted, and you've done really well, and you've picked it up, and you've gone with it. <laughs> I, I can I can distract you as often as uh, as you need to be. I can get distracted too. I'm, I'm good at that. Excellent. But, but no, it's uh, it's always great to chat with people that have a, the same level of passion for what it is we're all trying to do. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You know, it's been great, and uh, we'll look forward to um, yeah, checking in from time to time to see how it's going with those agenda items and uh, the. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, well, it has to be all about progress, so that's what we're uh, we're aiming for. Good one. All right, Don, you enjoy the rest of your weekend, and thanks so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Penny. Cheers, Pete. Thanks, Good Don. Now. See ya. That was Donald Sutherland. Yes, you might recognise the name as one of the famous Sutherland family. No, yeah. Do you have a blank look on your face? You no, no, I, I think his son Kiefer played for uh, Perth Glory for a couple of seasons, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> and maybe a famous acting studio or something somewhere. Yeah, yeah who knows? Yeah, that was Donald Sutherland, Football Supporters Association of Australia. And uh, I don't know who the two committee members here are in Perth, but we know Blaine Treadgold, um, who's a passionate footballing advocate here in Perth, is on the committee. So, And Blaine joins us from time to time. He does indeed. And, uh, yeah, you can see him about at local football matches. Of course, we're all seen out and about at some point. (laughs) yeah, lots to talk about there and lots out of that conversation, which is great. I'm going to throw some of those points forward to our conversation with Robbie Thompson, I reckon. Yep. Do you want to add anything into the conversation or shall we go to a break? I think we need to go to a break. Okay, and I'm going to just add in that there. There we go. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. We'll come back and chat more football shortly. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. <laughs> And the whole world is wondering, what's it going to take to stop this U.S. team? Easy luck. We mark Alex. What about Rose? Or Trinity? Poor bloody Rapino. Rapino scores! We could get younger players. They already did that. We have veteran experience. Listen to what you're saying. That is a world-class combination. Their flights could get cancelled. Seriously? We can steal their players. It's quite simple, really. You train for four years in an AR simulation that mimics their every move. Yeah. Initializing crystal dot. I got it. We go back in time and stop them from ever playing soccer. It's a great game. You'll love it. Wait, are you just describing the plot of Terminator? What's it going to take to stop this U.S. team? You're faster. Slower. Rougher. Nicer, eh? Play with passion. With style. With precision. Je ne sais quoi. I mean, the entire world is going to do whatever it takes to stop the U.S. Good luck with that. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. 
To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.au. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Rotine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Oh, I don't think they're ready for this. <laughs> These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. Well, they put them in the look nice. Look nice. Yeah, we look nice. Future looking nice. We don't need to tell them twice. The Okay. All right. Well, look at you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, remiss of us not to mention the sort of like one of the biggest things of all in on the uh, state league calendar is the playoffs between NPL and first division and first division and second division, which all kick off today. So in the NPL to first division relegation playoff, Mandurah City is hosting Fremantle City and Sorrento, who are the team that finished second last in the NPL, will be at home against Joondalup City. Obviously, then next Saturday, the fixtures are reversed. Most goals wins. Uh, and then the final, uh, I assume, would be the week after, but currently it just says TBA. And I also assume it would be down at the new State Football Centre. Um, then between First Division and Second Division, Subiaco AFC, who are the... First division side that came second last will be playing Swan United, uh, while Maddington Kalamunda W um, White City uh, are hosting Curtin Uni. Uh, same thing again next week. The fixtures are reversed, and then the final, I would assume, will be the following week uh, at the State Football Centre as well, with a fairly long walk from the train station for people that don't want to drive, unless yeah. we just figure out the buses or you know, so take an Uber. Or I'm not sure about the buses. It's not as big a deal as I'm making it sound. I just, I'm just used to taking trains and going, yeah, what's the nearest train station? So when the fixtures were, the finals were held for the Cup last weekend, yep. um, the whole car park was booked for VIPs. Yep, yep. Um, and like Sheriff said, it was about 200 bays, I think. Um, and then it was down the road. Yeah. And down the road is literally uh, on the verge and yep. down the road. I could see that being the sort of thing where people get a bit shirky about it uh, yeah yep. like the yeah, especially at night yep um there's <coughs> it's not clearly lit and there wasn't a footpath so uh, okay yeah which was a, a bit um un, unsafe perhaps but yep. i think the demand for watching the games will maybe change that fairly quickly i think that the the local council will kick in with something. There's a lot of roadworks happening around the Queen's Park area with um, the railways and uh, traffic and safety. So I think that they'll kick in fairly quick once they see that people are navigating to that state football centre. It'll yep. well, especially now and over summer with some of the things that are planned that Sheriff was talking about. They'll bring like the Matildas there. Um, they'll bring 
you know, hundreds of cars to that one access way into the state football centre. There is only one access way into that state football centre. So the, as far as I know, there'll be the buses and there'll be uh, people, uh, VIP cars visiting and so forth. So And it's off a main road. Yeah. So they'll need to put footpaths down to get to where public parking will be for yep. safety reasons. And in addition to, obviously, relegation playoffs, at the top end of the table, the very pointy end, uh, we have the minor semi-final between Olympic Kingsway and Perth today uh, and the major semi between Perth Red Star and Stirling Macedonia. Winning The winner of the major semi goes straight to the grand final uh, and the loser of the minor semi will play. Uh, loser of the major semi will play the winner of the minor semi um, for the second grand final spot. Now, seeing as we seem to be having trouble getting Robbie Thompson on the phone, we'll just switch over to the A League men's anyway, and we'll talk a little bit of men's football. Uh, Perth Glory have signed Bruce Kamau, who's previously from Adelaide United, Melbourne City, Western Sydney Wanderers, and Victory. Um, honestly, I don't have an opinion on this. Like, I don't. I, I remember the name, but I, I can't say if I've ever gone. Yeah, he's great, or no, he's terrible. So, um, and also Alexander Shushna. I hope I got that correct because it's one of those names that's got all little hats and stuff over half the letters. Uh, he was with Macarthur for the last couple of years, but he is a Perth lad. So uh, glad to have uh, again a bit more Perth representation. Um, one thing that was a little bit disappointing is Craig Goodwin is off to Saudi Arabia. Um, I can't blame him for wanting to um, get a nice big paycheck. I imagine what he's earning there would probably be 10 times what he gets for Adelaide United. Um, but with the various uh, I'm, I'm gonna issues miss, in I'm Saudi gonna Arabia. I'm going to miss him playing with Adelaide. He's yep. been integral to them. Great yep. entertainer, great oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's one of my favourites in the A-League to watch. Yep. Um, you know, I wish he was wearing purple. But... Um, <laughs> Obviously, Adelaide United had uh, um, Josh Cavallo come out a couple of years ago um, and, I don't know, one of his teammates going to Saudi Arabia. Again, I, I can't blame him for, you know, wanting to get that nice big paycheck. So, um, yeah, we'll just leave that one there. Yep. Uh, upcoming matches. Anyway, this week, the FFA Cup quarterfinals are around. So, Melbourne Knights are hosting Heidelberg United. They've never played before in the FFA Cup and... I think as a glory supporter from back in the NSL days, I'll say let's go Heidelberg, knock out those Knights. Um, Northeastern Metro Stars are hosting Melbourne City. So Northeastern Metro Stars are from uh, South Australia, State League side, and they're at home against Melbourne City, obviously from the A-League. Um, following up, Brisbane Raw will be playing Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, so an all-A-League fixture then. And Sydney FC against Western United as well. So that's another all-A-League fixture there. And then we move into Continental Championships with Melbourne City will be at home against Venti Foret Kofu, who are a Japanese side. This is in the Asian Champions League. And then for the first time ever, we have Australians playing in the lower-level AFC Cup. So Central Coast Mariners will be playing... A Malaysian side, I'm not even going to try to say the name. And MacArthur FC will be away to Myanmar, of all places, to play Shan United. And if you heard some voices in the background and Penny's now smiling at me, I assume that means we've got Robbie Thompson on the phone. We do. And I can stop trying to come up with things to talk about. <laughs> Robbie Thompson, good morning and good afternoon to you. Good morning and good afternoon. How is everyone? 
Yeah, we're good. We've got uh, Pen and uh, sorry Pete and myself in the studio here today. <laughs> we're on. We're both on about fifty percent because I think he's got the flu, and yeah. I think he's probably shoved it across to me. So we're trying to make up the hundred percent in total in the studio here, but we're doing okay. Oh, I'm sure you're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been chatting to uh, Donald Sutherland from the Football Supporters Association of Australia, and he's actually been a really good chat. Mm. He's brought up some some good points, and one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Robbie, was. Do you know how much money Australia received for competing in a semi-final of the Women's World Cup? Ah, I did see the figures somewhere. Do you have the figure? No, I don't. And Pete's, Pete's, oh, I Pete's been I'll trying to find s- it. But, um, yeah, we just uh, kind of wonder. No, I think I saw, I saw the individual figures for yeah. the players. I did I see the, play, the players that. got 165000 yeah. for the fourth yeah. place finish. Okay. I, did, I did see that. Yeah, right. Because I, okay. I just kind of wonder, like, does that money go into Football Australia's kitty and then no, they distribute it how they want? I be, they, that's that's the player payment. That's not what the Football Federation gets. Yes, understood. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think there, there had been some something where the players got paid directly because not in Australia but certain African nations were taking the player payments and not passing them on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, uh, we, we've been talking about the... Uh, $200 million government's uh, payment, not the payment, the, the money that they're going to put into pay, play your way or play for sport or whatever that, that, that thing is that the government's um, going to put into women's football. No, I keep saying women's football. I mean women's sport. <laughs> women's and, sport, yeah. yeah. And I just wonder if it's somehow linked to the payment that Football Australia are going to get or have gotten from FIFA for their semi-final place. Any ideas? Oh, well, that should be something completely different. Yeah, to to government money, government funding. Yeah, I just kind of but, wondered if yeah. it was going to be influenced at all by the amount of money that that is being received. I I, I don't know because I just haven't heard or seen anything about it. And I just wondered. Yeah, you know, I thought maybe for well, Australia. I don't think that should have any. I mean, you can't. I don't think the government. Well, I think the government funding the two hundred million. Most of it has already been probably allocated or or sent into areas where it where it where it will do. It's good, and I think most of that, what what a lot of the problem for football or what was perceived as a problem for football is that it's, uh, much of that funding um, at grassroots level anyway will go towards facilities that are common facilities around many sporting events, like, for example, a, a local community ground mm. where, the, where the changing rooms are, are not suitable for... For women, they will be changed, but that's open for cricket, for Aussie rules, for for soccer, for netball, for for all sorts of sports. So it's not necessarily football specific. That was my understanding of, of was, it, but that shouldn't. Yeah, I, I was thinking more of the connect though. So let's say um, Football Australia got a hundred million dollars from FIFA. Let's say it was hundred million dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'll, so I'll give you the actual figure okay, because uh, so for fourth place they got two point five million. US. Yeah, I've Whoa. just found that as That's, well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. Okay, but, so let's say they get $2.5 million then, okay, and then the government put in for the play your way part, they put uh, $500,000, let's say. So the uh, Football Australia say, okay, of the money we're getting from FIFA, we're going to match whatever the government is putting in and put into facilities of Australia. Like, Is there a connect like that? That's what I was just wondering. That That's all. Oh, it's just a thought. I just wondered, you know, because there seems to be... A, well, I hope a, not. <laughs> well, well, 
Well, no, isn't that a good thing? If they said that um, the government are putting in the money in Football Australia will, will use some of the FIFA money and put that into facilities to grow grassroots, isn't that <coughs> what we would want, That having a connect and you know, building the amount well, of money? Well, I think the government should... I, I hope the government come in and, and, and do that iris- and not use FIFA prize money as a way of saying, but you received this... Correct. ...certain Correct. million dollars, so you can do... You can fulfil this part of the bargain, whereas... Um, you know, netball for winning the World World Cup or, you know, Aussie rules for winning a match or something, get this much money for because they didn't get this $2.5 million. I was thinking the other way. The, the glass is half full, not half empty. I was thinking that Football Australia would say, ah, because we've done so well, we are now going to put in all this money to match what you are and double the amount of facilities that it will be able to be reached. Ah, Okay, yeah, absolutely. Look, well, I think I think Football Australia has a responsibility to use that money um, and reinvest it in the women's game in particular as opposed to using it for general footballing funding or the way they will. But that's, yeah, I'm sure they will they will try and be responsible yeah. with the way they spend it, I would hope. Yeah. Yes, I, I just <laughs> wonder because it, it's a stupid amount of money and I, I, I have no idea how it's going to be spent to just get put in the general pool and then at some point we hear that they've put it into a, a legacy program or it's just uh, been put into yeah. men and women. Well, I'm and not get, sure if it's that much, if it's really silly figures considering we've got a, you know, we've got a qualified team for the Olympics yep. and then hopefully qualified you know, to prepare a team for the Olympics um, with friendly matches, with camps heading into the Olympics and all that sort of thing. And we want them to be, and I know there'll be Olympic funding for, for that if we qualify as well, but we want to, all these all these elements and for, you know, for youth youth development, but for national team youth development or, or state teams for representative sides, all of that and, and camps and everything all have to be paid for as well. So, you know, I mean, I mean we're not short of, of areas to, to use funding, are we? Yeah, so the, no. the Football Australia had... I, I forgot what the exact number was, but I think it was seven or eight national teams that they're actually flying around all over the world at different times. So um, yeah, compared exactly. to, you know, even even proper... Well, proper. Even sports that do have an international presence like rugby or netball, they still don't have this many teams. They might have a men's and a women's, but they don't have a... An yeah, under twenty yeah. boys and an under seventeen boys and under twenty three boys and an under twenty three girls and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, et we got it. We got it. Yeah. The Pararoos as well were just overseas. So. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Robbie. It sounds like that money won't go far at all. No. When <laughs> <laughs> you say it like that. Um, another thing that I. Have... I'm just trying to think. What was the prize money for the men's World Cup in Qatar? Yeah, Pete's going to search. A that lot now. more than that, I'd say. Yeah. Well, I think it was thirty times more or something, wasn't it? Wasn't I mean I'll I'll have a look. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, just uh, we'll just see if we can't get it up now. Yeah. Four hundred and forty million um, was the total prize pool. Whew. As opposed to thirty million, wasn't it? For the for the women's or a, an envelope of <laughs> Yeah. I mean it was something surreal. It was really yeah, so, something... so had had the Australian men finished um fourth. fourth uh, FFA would have got $25 million Ooh. at the men's versus... Yeah. So, like yeah, li- literally 10 times. Yeah, 10 times as much. So there you go. So we still have some... Disparity. There's still a lot of progress to be to be made yep. by yep. our friends at FIFA. Yeah, and, and I'm OK with that. That's um, merit and evolution. We'll oh, and, and, I mean, there's still, there's still no dis- so denying, you know, there's the Men's World Cup brings in more money yep. um, through advertising, through through spectators... 
um, eyes on TV sets. I'm, Penny's already sort of giving me a half hairy eyeball, oh, oh, but do, I'm like, you know, I, it, it will even out over time. Yeah, another but, four years of Women's World Cup, and I think the differential will be a lot less. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, when the first one was 1995, 90, 91. 91, I think. So, yeah. So, and the, the, I'm sure the first men's world cup in 1930, 1930, whatever, with yep. the, 1930, with our, our Uruguayans and our Americans and Swedes all, all doing so well that, um, you know, there weren't that many eyeballs on it. And oh, the, no. the prize money, there were probably amateur sides. And, you know, it is, yeah. there is a, a process. And I think, you know, we shouldn't, I mean, the fallout from the Women's World Cup has been so devastatingly focused on the, the the problems within the Spanish FA, which is, I mean, really is such a shame, considering that's going to be a footnote to, to everyone's, or, you know, to football people's memory, a lot of people's memories connected to that World Cup, whereas it was such a fantastic event. And like you say, another four years, and that, that step towards equity and equality will have taken another four years, and... I mean, yes, we talk about 10 times difference in prize money and there are more eyeballs, there's more funds generated, all this sort of thing. It is a process for the women's game, but the impact in Australia was just enormous. It, it was enormous and probably equal to what, you know, the Qatar World Cup certainly generated in Australia. Yeah. was nothing, you know... I mean, in, in, I know we hosted it and it's not... It's difficult to compare apples and oranges, but... But the impact of the Women's World Cup here has been the biggest impact of a sporting event. You know, we've seen, and I'm talking socially, in terms of the community response and, and television audiences and viewer habits and all this sort of thing, it was monumental, bigger than any men's event we've we've had in the country. Do you know what, Rob? Really, so, I, I want to see yeah. more than that. I want to see what the figures on tourism were, how much was spent on... I don't know, shirt sales uh, um, compared to other sports. I want to see, like, what the uptake in hotels was, w- what it added into the, each state where they go. I want to see that kind of information come out. And I suppose it'll come out with time, I, I yeah. suspect. But just so that yeah. we can all kind of compare, well, compared to having an international cricket tournament here or having an international BMX tournament or the four-wheel drive show or, you know, something like that, that soccer actually does add some value into our nation. Business News yeah. Australia predicted, so this was pre-World Cup, uh, $568 million boost. But I find those those numbers always tend to be a bit iffy. Yeah. People say it's, well, I mean, it's hard to yes. quantify, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, it's hard. That's why I prefer... Well, that's why I thought... I mean, I'm not the best placed either to talk a social impact across this country because I was directly involved in it and a huge fan of it and I made sure everyone I knew <laughs> became that as well. But But that's why I think, you know... I mean the the feel the general feeling around. You look at the fan zones. You look at the television audiences. You know it's it was it was massive. You look at the response on social media and in the media of of people getting behind it as well. It was a uh, it it was massive. I mean that you can't quantify either, except just to say we haven't experienced anything like it yeah, in good. this country. Yeah. Is that uh, perceived benefits or goodwill? How do you term that? Intangible. Intangible, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had a surprising number of, <laughs> shall we say, I'm using the term loosely, but bogan mates um, tell me, oh, I, I was really into watching the uh, the women's world. Like these were people older than me that were sort of 
diehard, dinky, die Aussies, you know, love their Aussie rules and meat pies. And they're like, I normally hate soccer and it's all boring and it's nil all draws, but, oh, the, the Australia-France game was so exciting. And I'm like, you realise that was nil all? Oh, yeah, yeah so exactly. I've never watched it before. <laughs> so exciting. I'm like... Well, maybe Good. you should watch it again. A convert. Yeah. That's what yeah. we like. Well, this is, but this brings us back to why don't people, I mean, this is the, the whole, and it's not just about soccer, it's about, it's related to football in this country, but it's identifying with a team. Yeah. So many people yeah. in Australia identified with the team because they, they carried the name Australia, first of all. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, they're a national team and we're a parochial bunch. So we got behind the team. But also those of other, um, ethnicities of other origins also, you know, for thirty, for 31 of them had a country that represented them as well or a second country or they had two teams in the support. And yeah. that we saw reflected in the, in the support and how it... And, and it's not only those people directly, you know, my, my friends are Colombian, so they were madly into the Colombian team. They were Italians and, and whatever, Filipino friends and all but but also the people they spoke to who weren't necessarily were, are indirectly linked to it as well. And all of that generated this, this massive thing that the other sports can't do. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're Colombian Australians, you know, for the most part, don't, don't have a link to cricket or, or Aussie rules, you know. Yeah. And that's the, the big thing for our, for our local teams and our A-League teams is to create something that people identify with. And that's obviously where we've struggled. And part of it is history. You know, you've got in Sydney, we've got the, the Rabbitohs and the Roosters who have been, you know, 100 years in the, mm-hmm. the rugby league, um, the Balmain Tigers. You know, they represent something to people in the, in the community that perhaps Sydney FC, you know, need more time still to develop. But it's yep. all about that identity. It's all about, represent, which is why the, the old NSL clubs represented something very important to their to their the, their country of origin or their ethnic origin yep. whereas you know a football team has to get into the community it has to be at that grassroots level it has to have a club where the kids go and play that it builds up and you can go and see the first team play yes. that's how it is overseas that's how it has to be here that's how it is in other sports in this country and it has to yep represent something and that's what the women's world cup did so well yes it it did we're talking with robbie thompson network 10 and paramount match reporter robbie one of the things that i do want to talk about was that i have observed particularly in the last couple of weeks here in perth on the freeware networks uh afl and football like i want to say afl and soccer going head to head like literally advertising soccer and football in the women's space have you not seen the adverts? I've seen adverts for Perth Glory memberships. I've I've is seen. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I've just seen like play soccer adverts. So play soccer adverts, play uh, Aussie rules adverts on on television, and like the fact that I've actually seen <coughs> one or two. There's been one or two that I haven't seen six months ago or twelve months ago, hmm. but. Um, I'm noticing it more. Yeah, but and, that's fantastic. And it's just those two sports, right? So we're getting towards the end of the AFL season. Yep. Um, we're just starting the A-League season, and here are these adverts appearing on, on the news that I'm seeing, and I'm thinking, well, there's a little bit of um, you know, boxing going on here. Well, I mean, the children are the future, and I think any sporting body would re- be remiss if they didn't try to get, get the but youth playing. Is, that's, but- that's the whole point. Yeah, but Penny, you're just saying that these are this is paid paid advertising. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, that's what the AFL have been doing for years and years. We had the, remember the Kanga cricket and the cricket yep. things that we used that. to have in the old days as well. Um, and, and you know, this is remiss of football not to have been doing that. If, you, if this is the first time you're seeing it yep. in in years, I mean, if you pay, you're on. Yes. That's that's one thing. But where soccer hasn't no, done no that really before, Robin. For not I competing. I don't know about yeah, free to air yeah, elsewhere, yeah. but here in Perth, I the last uh, time I've, I saw a soccer ad, I can't even remember. I, I, on I haven't seen the ads you're speaking of, but no, I think maybe it, it's it sat on its laurels, shall we say, because it had such big participation numbers anyway. They yeah, figured they don't yeah. need to spend the money on on advertising. But we could do with some sponsors. We could do some major sponsors, oh, and yeah. you know, so that we can do things like keep Perth. Glory afloat when we don't have an owner. Yeah. I mean, just stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what the APL, I mean, uh, uh, that's their their remit as yes. well, is to run run the professional leagues and its clubs and make sure that they're, you know, that they're, that they're run properly. I mean, there are people responsible. We shouldn't only just be, you know, waving sticks blindly and saying it's not fair and, you know, that we, we deserve more. There are people that are responsible for for running the game in this country, and they have to be held responsible as well for, for things that, you know, that, that haven't been done properly in the past, perhaps. Or And I know it's not easy, and I know that we talk about those intangibles, like you're saying, perception and, and goodwill. That, and, you know, we've been, we've been unfairly excluded from, from government funding, perhaps, but also from news reporters and, and television stations and radio stations with agendas, with financial interests to... to to, to punish football or to keep football out of the limelight. But mm. there's also other, other aspects where we should have done much, much better. Yep. And the sport should have been better, better managed. And, and, and we, you know, we have to, you have to, I always come from the, the, the point of view where you have to be completely irreproachable yourself. And yep. then if things go against you, but, but if there's suddenly an opportunity where you can say, well, now I'm ready. Now, and it's the same on a, on a, I mean, that comes, it's a sporting mentality. It's a competitive mentality. I'm not going to, I'm going to be the best I can be so that when, you know, the opportunity arises, I'm ready to give it my best and do the, do the right thing. It's not the same as being, you know, unfairly manipulated or, or when the opportunity arises, I say, oh, well, you know, we never had anything in the past six years and what's to say it would have been any different then? That's when you've got to say, okay, we're ready. Yes, absolutely. Let's go. We're doing yeah. our best. And and perhaps that's something that hasn't always been been the case with the administration of the game at state, at, yeah. at, at local, at state and at national level. So, Robbie, we're going into a new A-League season, men and women. Uh, we've come off the back of Qatar World Cup, Australia-New Zealand World Cup, what do you think will be different about the A-League this time round? What are, what are we bringing into the A-League that we maybe haven't before? I think we're bringing a, a, a wider um, acknowledgement that the sport exists in the wider public. So I think, and I, I don't think we can understate, I mean, we always said we look to, you know, the beacon, which is the Socceroos and the Matildas to lead the sport in the country. But that's the same in, in teams and national teams all around the world. They are, you know, the, the locomotive that drives the sport um, in any country. It's the national team. So we needed those national teams to be seen, to be on the biggest stage and to perform well and get results and performances that we can be proud of. So I think that permeated a lot more of the society. So now we head into an A-League season 
where at least we've got that in the bank. There's that there's that residual goodwill and acknowledgement of people that the sport does exist in the country, which is something that, you know, since I've been back, when I arrived back in the country after 19 years, what, 20 years overseas, I couldn't believe that how just how anonymous the sport was. And this was working in the A-League, that it was just... It, it barely was a part of the national psyche. I yeah. think the Matildas and the Socceroos in just two years have gone a long way to to change that. The, the, the Socceroos and the Matildas are in the national psyche, and so by dribble-down effect, football is as well. And now it's up to the A-League and these new seasons starting, and we've seen, you know, fantastic results in, in the membership drives for the, for the women's games. And they're, you know, credit where credit's due, the... The FA and the APL, or whoever's responsible for it, for the the, the Liberty A pass for 16-year-olds and unders who get in free if they're playing for a local team. All these sort of initiatives are great, and they're, I mean, nearly every single A-League club has broken um, that has a women's team have broken membership records already, and we're still what we're still one month out from the start of the season. So look, we I think that's different. I think that numbers are going to be up. The other thing is, and this is perhaps irrespective of the Socceroos and the Matildas, is that we came out of a very difficult COVID period when I was still overseas, when the league was finished without anybody in the stadiums and all played in, what was it, two weeks or three weeks? The whole thing was the end of the season. It was, a, by all accounts, an unmitigated disaster in terms of, you know, in terms of crowds and in terms of yep. the sport in the country and what how it finished on Fox and and everything, and I know the new broadcasters have had plenty of issues. But that first season, when I was back, I think there were over a hundred games were rescheduled because of yeah. COVID. There yep. were games again played behind closed doors. There were games rescheduled because teams couldn't get um, uh, couldn't field a squad. The games games were being played on a Tuesday night. I think Melbourne City won the the, the Premier's place on a on a Tuesday night at five p.m. or something. You know, just a random. Mm rescheduled match where they actually won the league and it just completely went past you know un, unnoticed by the the wider sporting public i think last year was already a big improvement on two years ago and yes. i think the the run of the mariners was a fantastic champion to yeah. finish and a fantastic story and a way to finish and so and the crowds were up as well you know i mean and and we had that enormous setback in december of the melbourne victory mm. melbourne derby um debacle and the and the grand final thing so look there there have been there is progress aside from you know the wider perception of the national team i think we came a long way last season hopefully this season we'll we'll continue that yep. and then with the goodwill and the wider perception that the, the sport exists in this country and that we have a first division and that we have excellent players that are now you know and this is the first i mean i think we've sold 30 young players under the age of you know 23 to overseas clubs in the last two seasons. That's brilliant as well. That also reflects that now we're going to have more players overseas in big leagues. So people will get into the sport that way. Instead of just watching Premier League, they'll watch our players I playing think... over there, playing in Belgium, playing yeah. in, you know, everywhere. That that as well is excellent. I think too, Robbie, I did uh, some maths on the women, the Matildas, and there's 10, I think, playing in England at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, five in Sweden, one in Spain with Brasso. <coughs> Chids is in Mexico. In Mexico, that's 16, yeah. 17. That's a strange one. Um, I don't know. Oh, there's Courtney Vine 
and Tamika Butt, who are here. I'm just trying to think of any others that yeah, have... Tamika Yellow. Um, to me, yeah, Ellie sorry. in France. Ellie, yeah, but yeah. just trying to think of the ones yeah. that have remained here that will be oh. actually playing in our A-League. Yeah. less, and, yeah. far less this year than there was last year and the year before. Yeah. So you're right that the players are becoming exposed on a national, international stage. They're getting the opportunities and off yeah. they go. Robbie, we're going to have to cut and it this short. Will, this will keep making our national teams better and better as yes. well, yeah. which will keep this process going now. This is what, when you talk about roll-on effects and everything, but I know I've been talking too much again, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Robbie. We could just come back and talk more another time. That's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do it. Th- thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate that. Have an awesome weekend. Thank you. Will do. Thank you, guys. Good on you. See you, Robbie. Thanks, Robbie. Bye. Robbie Thompson, who is Paramount and Network 10 match reporter. This has been Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. We're signing out for today and Lennon Bags Groove and the Jazz Show is coming up next. Thank you for joining us. The team will be back next week week to talk more football from 10am oh my god I'm so excited for the weekend of football go enjoy